Welcome to another episode of the Vestibule Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Vest, founder and publisher of the Substack newsletter, The Vestibule. This episode is titled A Masterful Return and bears the subtitle, Doctor Who's Series 12 Makes a Grand and Thrilling Entrance in Spyfall Part 1. This review was first published on February 2nd, 2022, and was written by myself, Jason P. Vest. The episode's pedigree is as follows. Spyfall Part 1, Series 12's premiere episode, and 2020's New Year's Day special, was written by Chris Chibnall and directed by Jamie Magnus Stone. It stars Jodie Whittaker as the 13th Doctor, Tozen Cole as Ryan Sinclair, Mandip Gill as Yasmin Yaz Khan, and Bradley Walsh as Graham O'Brien. Spyfall Part 1 guest stars Sasha Dewan as O, Stephen Fry as C, Shobna Gulati as Najia Khan, Sir Lenny Henry as Daniel Barton, Asif Khan as Ramesh Sunder, and Boomtin Gang as Tebow. The episode is 60 minutes long and was first broadcast on both BBC One and BBC America on January 1st, 2020. And now, on with the show. Section 1. Lost and Found. The Lost Year. The year that time travel forgot. The year of living doctorlessly. These labels are only three of the sobriquets that certain Doctor Who fans miffed that no new episodes premiered during the 364 days stretching between January 2nd and December 31st, 2019, bestowed upon the British Broadcasting Corporation's, or BBC's, most famous, most infamous, and longest-lasting time travel series for taking 12 months off our screens and away from our lives. Although showrunner Chris Chibnall and the BBC announced this interregnum before, 2019's New Year's Day special, appropriately titled Resolution, broadcast on January 1st, 2019, this preparation didn't make the 2019 Doctor Who drought any easier to endure, especially considering that two other science fiction television series, namely The Expanse and Star Trek Discovery, premiered in Doctor Who's absence, Banner Seasons as the year unfolded. And 2019 could certainly have used a bit of Doctor Who flash, wit, and compassion, considering the reactionary state of world politics, nowhere better symbolized than the Trump regime's continued cruelties toward asylum-seeking immigrants, and the British political elite's decision to elevate Boris Johnson to its nation's highest office, thereby assuring that the calamity of Brexit would become reality no matter how ill-born and ill-advised. So, what a welcome return Doctor Who offers us in its fiendishly clever Series 12 premiere episode, which doubles as the program's 2020 New Year's Day special. 
titling this installment Spyfall, proclaims, in no uncertain terms, Chibnall's love of the James Bond film franchise. The many allusions, parallels, and hat tips, some subtle, some obvious, to 007 movies old and new jammed into this hour of wibbly-wobbly time-tripping narrative may obscure just how well the showrunner knits together relevant questions, doubts, and anxieties about the big data corporations that rule, or seem to rule, more and more of our daily lives. This episode's pace may be frenetic, even punishing in its frazzled tempo, but its story begins with an almost pastoral montage of the 13th Doctor's companions, Ryan Sinclair, played by Tozen Cole, Yasmin Yaz Khan, played by Mandip Gill, and Graham O'Brien, played by Bradley Walsh, catching up with their earthbound lives in Sheffield, England, after bopping around the time vortex with their Gallifreyan friend. Ryan plays a quick game of basketball with his mates, Yaz visits her family, and Graham endures a medical checkup with his oncologist during short scenes of real warmth between the principal cast members and well-chosen guest stars, many seen intermittently throughout series 11. We sense that Ryan misses his daily routine, not merely through dialogue, but mainly through Cole's nicely calibrated performance. Ryan, abashed at having skipped so much of his friends' lives, endures slight embarrassment at the hands of Tebow, played by Boom Tin Gang, who wonders exactly what Ryan has been doing, to which Ryan lists a series of illnesses, appendicitis, hernia, and even detached retina, as explanation. Yaz, on the other hand, seems more excited than ever to travel with the doctor, but the consequences to her professional life as a Sheffield probationary police officer become clear when both her mother, Najia Khan, played by Shobna Gulati, and her boss, Police Sergeant Ramesh Sunder, played by Asif Khan, worriedly note that Yaz has taken three secondments from her main job, patrolling Sheffield streets to join an undercover organization that she cannot discuss, in a nifty explanation for why Yaz has been away from her duties for so long. And Graham, happy to find that his cancer's continued remission leaves him in good health, momentarily saddens when his doctor offers condolences for Graham's deceased wife, Grace Sinclair O'Brien, who unfortunately doesn't appear in this episode, even in flashback. Yet so many characters, old and new, show up that casual viewers may require scorecards just to keep up, beginning with three unnamed intelligence operatives, assassinated by mysterious extraterrestrial forces, in Spyfall Part 1's earliest scene, or cold open, or teaser, or prologue. The first is a sniper, played by Melissa DeVries, about to kill a target in the Ivory Coast who, before she can pull the trigger, finds herself struck down by a humanoid figure of pure light. The second is an airline passenger, played by Sacharissa Claxton, attacked inside a lavatory by a pure light creature that emerges from the tiny washroom's walls after she receives a coded message from another, older passenger, played by William Eli. And the third is an American operative, played by Brian Law, on the run in Moscow, Russia, who enters a CIA safe house only to see, while waiting for extraction by his fellow spies, another light creature materialized from the ceiling moments before it assaults him. Everything go all right? 
What's the plan? I thought, let him take us to where we're going. That way we find out who wants us. What if he kills us along the way? Look at him, he's obviously doing this at someone else's orders. Don't you want to know who that is? In one hundred yards... Your equipment's not up to much. Shouldn't be doing that. Section 2, Come and Go. These attacks prompt MI6, Britain's intelligence agency, and, not coincidentally, James Bond's employer, to collect Team TARDIS so that the Doctor, having hoisted her timeship onto a Sheffield car mechanics rack in order to drain the water slides and the bone lakes and the rainforest floor, can consult with the agency's chief. Known only as C and played wonderfully by Stephen Fry, a redundancy perhaps since Fry plays every role wonderfully, C tells the Doctor and her friends that the assassinations have so disturbed the world's intelligence agencies that they mutually empowered him to secure her cooperation no matter the means. That directive, I might add, leads to Spyfall Part 1's rollickingly absurd inaugural action sequence. Oh, did I forget to mention that the Doctor and her companions are collected by an ominous duo of sun-shaded agents who shepherd Team TARDIS into a car that, while transporting them from Sheffield to London, sees its driver vaporized by laser beams that shoot from the vehicle's satellite navigation system. Did I neglect to say that this vehicle then reverses while still on the highway, madly plowing through other cars in an adrenaline-drenched sequence that's a tribute to both the stunt teams and the cast's excellent work? Did I ignore the fact that composer Sagan Akinola's jazzy score recalls John Barry's Bond film music so well that it perfectly matches the on-screen events? And, finally, did I fail to recall that all this happens in the episode's first five minutes? If so, you may begin to realize just how madcap Spyfall Part 1 is. Its opening teaser confidently recreates the unrestrained energy of the Bond franchise's best pre-credit sequences, while improving upon Quantum of Solace's opening car chase by making the motorway action fun to watch, easy to understand, and, best of all, relevant to the forthcoming plot. Yet this praise is small beer compared to the surprises that await in Spyfall Part 1. Chibnall wedges into this installment so many intriguing characters, unexpected plot twists, thematic reversals, and remarkable revelations that viewers rarely find time to catch their collective breath. Despite the outright hatred that Chibnall's writing has provoked in some quarters, readers of my Series 11 reviews know that I firmly disagree. Chibnall, during that season's 2018 run, may not have enjoyed as much approval for his maiden voyage as Doctor Who showrunner, as did Russell T. Davis for Series 1 or Stephen Moffat for Series 5, but Chibnall's work for Series 11 was, on the whole, excellent. 
accuracy compels me to note that Davis and Moffat received occasionally stinging criticism for their introductory season's authorial choices, but the viciousness by which certain vocal, so-called fans, attacked Chibnall's captaining of the New Who ship wasn't merely unwarranted but also uninformed in its toxicity. If Chibnall were as thin-skinned as some of his attackers seem to be, I won't call them critics since their screeds rarely contain actual story, thematic, or visual analysis. We might expect him to use Spyfall Part 1 as a platform to settle scores, but he instead demonstrates supreme confidence by riffing, vamping, and tweaking a plethora of Bondian tropes into a narrative skein that could only appear on Doctor Who. This talent is nowhere more evident than Chibnall's version of the Bond villain, or, in this case, villains, which occasioned Spyfall Part 1's first welcome revelation. To wit, Sir Lenny Henry plays Daniel Barton, the founder and CEO of Vore, a global search engine that Yaz describes as incorporating web apps, social, global mapping, advertising, scientific and medical research, robotics, data polling, human analytics, into Chibnall's nightmare fusion of Amazon, Google, Facebook, and Twitter. Or, as C. bluntly states the matter, Right now, Vore is more powerful than most nations. And Sir Lenny Henry, a multi-talented actor, stand-up comedian, singer, and writer, plays Barton with such beguiling charm and underlying menace that Bond producers Barbara Broccoli and Michael G. Wilson should add him to the cast of their franchise's forthcoming 26th film. Barton, an up-by-his-bootstraps genius, is the world's wealthiest man. He invented Vor. The episode never reveals this acronym's meaning, although Chibnall's talent for satire makes a shortened form of voracious seem likely, amassed his fortune during the previous 20 years, and served as an MI6 informant for most of that time. Then, according to C, Barton simply stopped cooperating, which caused all three of the assassinated operatives from Spyfall Part 1's opening montage to investigate leads into Barton's dealings. As such, their simultaneous killings aren't merely suspicious, but perplexing. Why, after all, would a foe like Barton, if indeed he is a foe, so brazenly draw the authorities' attention by executing his investigators unless he feels, or knows, that his wealth and celebrity will insulate him from all consequences? The answers to those questions evolve in unexpected fashion, yet also herald Spyfall Part 1's second triumph, which arrives in the person of the MI6 operative whose assistance the doctor requests to help determine why the three agents are dead. This man, known by the codename Horizon Watcher, is called O by MI6 personnel because C always harumphed the word O whenever he, O, entered the chief's office with dire warnings about the intelligence agency's cyber deficiencies. The doctor has privately corresponded with O during the previous days and months, suggesting a longer-term relationship than even C suspects, explaining why she's surprised to discover that C sacked this fellow for suggesting that extraterrestrial creatures are a growing threat to humanity. Considering the public panoply of alien attacks that Earth has faced ever since Doctor Who returned to our television screens in 2005, the Doctor finds C's decision unwise, unwarranted, and unwelcome. Sprinting! What? Come on, Doctor, we're about to take off! In the middle! 
you where he's going. Never been good at sprinting. That's the last one in every race at school. No, no, no. I read your file. You're a champion sprinter. Mm. Got me. Well done. What's going on, Doc? I don't know. You best take a look out the window. out there. Oh, a bit wicked witch of the west, but you get the gist. Maybe. Maybe not. No. Oh, come on, Doctor. Cap job. You can do it. Oh. That, that, that's my name, and that is why I chose it. So satisfying. Doctor, I, I did say look for the spy master. Or, or should I say spy... He's not really old. I'm her best enemy. <laughs> Call me master. Call you what? Master. Me and her, we go way, way, way back. I met her. I know. Years ago. <laughs> but there was an old MI6. He was talking about her. Yeah. A man very close to my heart. Well, in my pocket, actually. You want to see him? It's always got to keep a backup of one's work. Tissue compressions. Classic. Wow. <laughs> Ambushed him on his way to work for his first day. Shrunk him, took his identity and set myself up in MI6. <laughs> Surprisingly good stuff, Bantine. <laughs> I have had <laughs> a lot of fun. Section 3. High and Low. Yet who exactly is O? Take heart, dear listener, because Chibnall casts this role to perfection. For passionate Whovians, hiring Sasha Dewan to play O as a technological geek who combines quirky charm with genuine zest for life is a wonderful, if unexpected, coup. Yes, the same Sasha Dewan who played Waris Hussein, the Doctor Who franchise's first ever director, and Mark Gatiss's lovely and loving 2013 docudrama An Adventure in Space and Time. This telefilm dramatizes Doctor Who's initial creation under the watchful eyes of BBC executive Sidney Newman, played by Brian Cox, producer Verity Lambert, played by Jessica Rain, first Doctor performer William Hartnell, played by David Bradley, and, yes, Waris Hussein, the man hired to direct Classic Who's Maiden serial titled An Unearthly Child. Dewan, known for his performances as Akhtar in Nicholas Heitner's 2006 cinematic adaptation of Alan Bennett's stage play The History Boys, as the voice of Eddie in the BBC animated series Chuggington, and as Detective Manish Prasad in series two of Jed Mercurio's sublime police BBC thriller Line of Duty, is terrific as Hussein in An Adventure in Space and Time, a British Indian director tasked with figuring out how to film on the tightest of budgets, the seeming 
seemingly insane scripts for an unearthly child's four half-hour episodes, which take the first Doctor and his companions from 1963 England to the Paleolithic era. Dewan is equally good at playing O in the franchise Mothership's 12th series premiere, but even better is the secret that this character guards. Dewan laces so many subtle hints and clues into his performance, as does director Jamie Magnus Stone by first shooting O from behind, sitting in a chair the way an emperor sits on a throne, as our introduction to him, that, when Team Tardis and O jump onto the back of a moving airplane piloted by Barton just before takeoff, we can't be certain that O is the master, rival Time Lord and childhood friend of the Doctor, galaxy-hopping sociopath, and unkillable nemesis return to life. Yet when O, caught in a tiny lie by the doctor, drops all pretense by smiling like a madman, then waving Hi. to confirm his identity as the master, one of New Who's greatest ever moments unfolds, sending chills down this longtime viewer's spine. O's revelation is, to put it delicately, ground-shaking, earth-shattering, and shin-kicking. The way that Chibnall wraps these developments into one delicious bundle of insane drama is, yes, masterful. And if you don't believe this judgment, just watch any two or three of the dozen-plus YouTube reaction videos to Spyfall Part 1's final five minutes before getting back to me. Jodie Whittaker plays the 13th Doctor's shock, amazement, and trepidation at the Master's reappearance so expertly that she deserves an Emmy, a Golden Globe, a BAFTA, and an NTA, Britain's National Television Award, for these 10 seconds of film. Whittaker equals David Tennant's remarkable wordless reaction as the 10th Doctor when Series 3's Utopia first launches the Master, played by Sir Derek Jacobi, into New Who's rogues gallery of opponents, only to see him immediately regenerate into John Sims' version of the character, as well as Peter Capaldi's sublime silent response when Missy, played by Michelle Gomez, tells the 12th Doctor, at the conclusion of Series 8's Dark Water, that her name is short for the title Missy mistress, meaning that Missy is a regenerated female incarnation of Sim's master, who disappeared into a white ball of light during the 10th Doctor's swan song, 2010's The End of Time Part 2. Got all that? Chibnall embraces New Who's intricate narrative legacies in this outing to announce that Series 12 will resurrect, literally and figuratively, all manner of characters, themes, symbols, and plots from the franchise's past in ways that Series 11 did not. Chibnall designed his first season as Who's showrunner to welcome fans old and new by offering fresh characters and elements that, while they don't avoid paying homage to the past, also don't foreground these aspects, despite the fact that Series 11 includes so many nods to Davis's Series 1 and to the adventures of Christopher Eccleston's Ninth Doctor that Chibnall's grounding in New Who's lore is unmistakable. Series 12, by contrast, embraces all the complex and contradictory aspects of the franchise's 57-year run to offer bold new directions. Nowhere better dramatized than when the Master tells the Doctor, just before transporting himself away from Barton's plane, One last thing, something you should know, in the seconds before you die. Everything that you think you know is a lie. Oh, 
Did I forget to mention that the master says these words just after the doctor realizes that Barton is not flying the plane, but rather that a bomb counting down a one-minute timer rests in the pilot's seat? Did I neglect to say that O's house flies alongside the plane, meaning that this structure is actually the master's TARDIS? Did I ignore the fact that the doctor cannot stop the bomb from exploding, thereby blowing up the cockpit and causing the plane to careen downward while leaving Team TARDIS literally in the lurch? Did I overlook revealing that the Master transports the Doctor to a strange alien forest just as he disappears, which leaves Ryan, Yaz, and Graham aboard Barton's crashing aircraft, with no parachutes and no way to save their own lives? And, finally, did I fail to recall that these events occur in Spyfall Part 1's final three minutes, ending it on the most adrenaline-laced cliffhanger that New Who has yet given us? What the Master's Declaration portends begins a story arc that'll take us straight through to Series 12's conclusion. But what both attentive and casual viewers can't miss is that Chris Chibnall ends Series 12's premiere episode so insanely, with so many pulse-pounding wallops, that everyone will return to watch the next installment. With this first episode, Chibnall, his cast, and his crew put their stamp on Doctor Who so adroitly, and so forthrightly, that even fans dissatisfied with Series 11's new directions must recognize that Chibnall weaves this season's narrative strands into a tapestry instantly compatible with the franchise's more than five-decade history. And, in the tradition of the best cliffhangers, no matter how crazy Spyfall Part 1 seems, we leave this episode thinking, if not saying to ourselves, you ain't seen nothing yet. Leading me to say, to Chibnall and to everyone else involved with this outing, bravo. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Vestibule Podcast. Please visit the newsletter's website at vestibule.substack.com to read this entry, to explore the images and linked resources available there, and to access all other posts. Until next time, this is Jason Vest, wishing you health and happiness. <laughs>